You're listening to You've Been Hanged, hosted by Hank Griffin, writer, man of faith, Parkinson's warrior, traveling man, and storyteller. Wonderful stories, home cooking, thoughtful lessons, and candor about life with Parkinson's are his to share. Relax for the next several minutes with your friend, neighbor, and brother who loves you. Today on You've Been Hanked, a tribute to mothers. What's the first thing you remember? Here, I refer to a well-formed memory, not a mere impression or feeling, rather a true memory. Think about it a moment as I share my first memory with you. When I was a boy, my mother and her then husband decided to have their civil marriage sealed in the beautiful Mesa, Arizona temple. Of course, we didn't live in Mesa or even in Arizona. My family are Texans. Better still, were East Texans and lived in beautiful. When the time approached, we loaded into the car and began the journey to Mesa. Along the way, we stopped to pick up Grandma, who wished to attend the temple to see her son, his wife, and her grandson sealed as a family for time and all eternity. Some of you listening at this point may be asking yourselves, why in the world did they drive all the way from beautiful East Texas to Mesa, Arizona, to attend a Latter-day Saint temple? Hadn't Texas got four or five there in the state? That is a most reasonable question. Why, on the good Lord's beautiful blue earth, would we drive 1,130 miles in the Texas heat, no less, to attend a temple when there are so many closer options? Well, today, there's some 200 or so temples in the world, either announced or at some stage of completion. It's a wonder to contemplate. This was not the case 50 years ago. Then, well, there weren't more than 12, if that many. To borrow a phrase from the nice people at Virginia Slim, you've come a long way, baby. Then, the Mesa Temple was the nearest Mormon temple to our lovely beautiful. To get there, we braved the national highway system as it existed a half century ago. Across the desert, the enormous Texas desert, not that little thing up in Utah that we hear so much about, and did so in the awful and hellish Texas summer. Why, you ask? Why? <laughs> well, because we're Mormons, y'all. That's the kind of thing we do. It's all about faith, and we don't really like faith unless it takes effort. We believe we can do hard things. Heck, we like to do hard things. We like our faith to be a struggler. At least we did then. These kids today, I swear, they don't know how easy they have it. Oh, y'all, I've just realized I may be old. I'll not think about that now. Where was I? That's right. My first memory. I remember being held by Grandma in the back seat of the car. We were parked. I didn't want to be there with her. I wanted Mama, who was in the front seat. I turned to reach for her. As I did so, I vividly recall looking out the glass window. There before me was the Mesa Temple. Palm trees, water steps, people coming and going. The temple proper. Then, the back of Mama's head. and the back of her seat, I reached for her, groaning with the effort. Realizing she was being unresponsive, I began to cry. My first, well, certainly one of my first, sure enough, well-formed memories was of yearning for my mother as a baby. 
I was 18 months old. She has brown hair, brown eyes, mama's skin is so light it tans easily. And as she was so often outside, or is so often outside, her skin's almost always tan. We believed in those days it was a very healthy tan. And in the heyday of her youthful vigor, she was never more than five foot two inches, but feisty. Oh my gosh, y'all mama, all five foot two inches and 102 pounds ever was and is still today ready to fight. Now, to be fair, she hasn't seen five foot two in a, well, it's been a long time. I'm, I might suggest that these days she'd have to climb a step stool just to reach up to touch five two, but then, well, she may be listening if you've not already caught on, feisty. I don't need the trouble, so I'll just go on without expanding any further. There was an occasion, one of many over the years, but particularly memorable. My younger brothers and I were playing in the house, making lots of noise. We had our little stomper trucks. You remember the stomper trucks when you was a boy? And we were having a large time, as it were, happily. By this time, Mama had finally got shut of her first husband and was married to my excellent father, who I've always called Dub. Dub was a coal miner. He worked for Texas Utilities at their Tug Coal Mine as a heavy equipment operator. Three days on, four days off. Then, four days on, three days off. His workday was 12 hours each and every day he was there. My father worked hard to provide for us. Mama worked hard to care for us. She was young. Had me when she's 17. Tending to the three very loud boys, each of whom was all boy and a newborn baby girl, was a lot of work for a young mother and her all alone while Dub was at the mine. Finally, as was inevitable, Mama snapped. She peered out of nowhere with our Easter baskets. My brothers and I looked up, saw the baskets, and were more than a little surprised. Mama kept those pretty baskets hid from us so as not to have them destroyed. And we knew we were not to touch them. Or as Mama warned, don't you even look at them. If you accidentally find them, you leave them alone. Or the Easter Bunny might never come to this house again. My sweet old mother, she really is something. She has this ancient orange cat, Tubby. She and Tubby sit together in the yard or on the couch in the front room. And she croons sweetly to this very old, slightly smelly, but wonderfully sweet cat. My sweet Tubby, my good Tubby. Tubby's the sweetest little cat. You never saw a sweet little kitty anywhere, did you? No, you did not. She's the sweetest little cat. Meanwhile, she got a rifle sitting right next to her ready to go. She got a pair knife wrapped discreetly in her apron. You better believe that inside her purse next to her is a rude surprise just waiting for the poor fool who sticks his or her unwelcome hand in it in the form of razor blades and a community of vicious, venomous scorpions who have never known any other world except the inside of Mama's purse as a consequence of her having raised them there since she caught the first breeding pair way back in the year of our Lord, 1974, when she then rehomed them therein. And those are just the commonly known Sunday go-to-meeting polite company type preparations that she keeps on hand just in case of trouble. Mama, I asked one time, why do you keep that rifle so close all the time? Are you blind, son? Do you ever open your eyes? Don't you see the wild hogs we have running around on this place? She's right, there are lots of wild hogs running around. What about that pair knife? What pair knife? Mama asked as though she didn't know perfectly well what pair knife I was referring to. The one in your apron, I said. Oh, 
Oh, that one. Mama started. Just then I realized she wasn't being coy. She most likely has other knives hidden on her that I don't know about and just wasn't sure which one I was referring to. I like to use it to peel an apple or an orange when I'm hungry. Anyway, the Easter baskets, having produced them, to our collective dismay, Mama said, You three take these baskets, get outside, and fill them up with blackberries. Don't you even think about coming inside this house until all three of those baskets are full to the top. One of the little fellers started to ask a question. Mama stopped him. I don't want to hear it. When you come back, those baskets better be so full that not one more berry, and I mean one more berry, had better be able to sit on top of that pile, or you're going to wish you'd never been born. And with that, we were summarily ushered out of the house. The door slammed. The lock clicked. The little of us complained. I'm thirsty. I haven't heard him say it. All of a sudden, I was thirsty too. In just a moment, it seemed that all three of us were thirsty. Our eyes, now drying for want of hydration, looked down at our empty Easter baskets. It was only then, as I thought of all the blackberries we'd have to pick to fill them, that I began to most fully appreciate just how large those baskets were. Holding them in our hands, they seemed bottomless, cavernous, Probably best if we get a drink from the hose, I said. From the three enormous empty baskets came an echo. From the hose, from the hose, from the hose. The baby started to cry. Not too much, just a little. In the shade of the corner over by the covered porch where the water hose could be found, we let the hose run until the heated water ran out. Once the cool water ran, we drank. And we drank our fill. We set out. If one... We're not raised in beautiful East Texas. One might imagine late May to be lovely. If you are such an one, you'd be wrong. Good heavens, by early May, it's no rarity to see temperatures in the 90s. By late May, the mid-90s are just assumed. Heat from the late morning sun, already trapped in the sandy dirt road, rose from the ground, bend in the air as it did. Those waves of energy confused my youthful eyes. Overhead, the sun, still yellow in those days, in the midday sky, then burned and lit the blue surrounding it to something much lighter. No clouds joined the sun in that cruel sky. Only vultures, crows, and scissor tails. As we walked, the baby pointed. Powerline played host to several doves. He held his hands up as though holding a shotgun and fired. Nary a dove fell, but he was satisfied, puffed out his chest, and walked with greater purpose. Children in Texas know that from mid-May to early June, the roadsides there provide a near-endless reserve of delicious blackberries and dewberries, blackberries being much smaller and tart, dewberries far larger and sweet. In time, our baskets filled. She said we couldn't come home, not till one berry wouldn't rest on top of another. How many more berries do we have to pick? I'm tired and thirsty. I am too. Finally, the baskets, all three of them, were filled to the top, despite the capacity that seemed to us beyond our ability to exhaust. We knew then that we could return home. There wasn't room for a single berry more to rest atop of any of those three loads. At the house we entered, trying hard to be quiet for fear of upsetting Mama. She heard us. Mama always heard us. 
When she appeared, her face was unreadable. She studied us. Her brown eyes ran over the three large Easter baskets. Each was overfull of berries, dew and black. I watched those eyes widen with surprise. Then pleasure. Oh, boys, I never imagined you'd actually feel all three of your baskets, she said. You said we'd wish we'd never been born if we didn't. Laughing with unrestrained delight, our beautiful mother took down her hot bath canner from its shelf. She laid out a towel, cannon jars, fished a box of lids out of a cabinet, put a pot on the stove to boil, took out her jelly strainer, and finally began to wash the berries. What are you going to do? I'm going to make the most beautiful blackberry jelly, Mama said. She did so every spring. Blackberry and wild plum, too. Every winter we ate it, never tiring of either, for we picked those berries and the wild plums ourselves with our own hands. As such, we'd made a contribution. That delicious, sweet, beautiful jelly that Mama made was hers, but it was also ours. For our time, sweat and tears went into making it just as hers did. The resultant treat was far prettier and sweeter for all our hard work. No, though there were only two flavors, we never tired of them, either of them. Happy Mother's Day. Much love. Hank, you've been hanked. Thanks for listening to You've Been Hanked. If you enjoyed today's episode, do us a favor. Like, share, subscribe, and comment. It's easy and really makes a difference. Please help Hank help others by increasing the reach of You've Been Hanked.